When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about the past, I'm about the future. Welcome back to Dropbox. That's right. We're back, and today we're talking about the, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars, yeah. But first, before we get to the Jaguars, also schedule release. That was today or well, last night, and uh, we're not talking about it. We're going to talk about the schedules later on, but like, there's not really a schedule release. We already knew the teams who were playing. This isn't really that big of a deal. Now you get to find out the dates and go ahead and buy your tickets. That was really the idea, and then say screw it when you can't go to the game. Anyway, so let's get to the actual the meat and potatoes of this. We're talking about the L.A. Chargers, right? The former San Diego Super Chargers, and they lost Phillip Rivers, right? That was the start of their offseason. We can't talk about this without talking about the exodus of Phillip Rivers. They have Tyrod Taylor on the roster, and boy, oh boy, what did they do? First-round pick, top six overall. They take Herbert, not Herbert Hoover, Justin Herbert. Yes, the, the quarterback out of Oregon, and uh, big arm, very... Uh, uh, 6'6", six, six. Like he looks like a quarterback. You remember that? They were talking about that with Josh Allen a couple of years ago. He looks like a quarterback. He's got a big arm. His accuracy's got some issues. He's very similar to Josh Allen in some ways. Probably, I would say, at least maybe a little bit better as like when you're looking at the pure on-the-field product. But uh, the one thing I think people made a big note about was maybe the in-between-the-ears or in-the-chest in kind of thing. Like, just the, the id, the id factor. And that was the thing I missed out on on uh, Josh Allen is just his ability to use his athletic ability and keep trying no matter what to try and win, even if he's not really all that accurate. But this isn't about Josh Allen. This is about Justin Herbert and his pro uh, his potential to be uh, a quarterback in the NFL. I think there have been worse quarterbacks drafted where Herbert's been drafted in that re region, right? Um, Tua was off the board. Burrow was off the board, right? Uh, as Telesco pointed out, they don't plan to be picking in the top 10 every year. So if you are picking six overall every year, you're probably not going to keep your job as a head coach or as a GM. So they looked at it. They said, listen, this guy's got physical skills. Uh, they like the style of play. He's big. He's fast. He's a dual threat. They liked his mental toughness. He was able to handle adversity. There were games where they were losing in the beginning. He had a bad first half. He came back and fought and, and came back and fought for it and won. Uh, took over games. You know, they know him very well. They're, you know, West Coast team. You know, he played in the Pac-12. So they, they're very familiar with him. They got to know him at the Senior Bowl. They made a lot of, uh, they, they made a lot of uh, emphasis on the familiarity with him, with his game, going to some of the games. Uh, they, made f they made an emphasis on his physical skills. He could pull it and run it, ha has the ability to grow as a quarterback. Uh, they also mentioned his personality. He's got a perfectionist personality, right? They, uh, there was a story that kept on getting leaked out, and they, they actually kept on getting brought up in, in uh, the interviews with the head coach and GM where apparently they were doing some kind of exercise with him with, uh, you know, like what, with what head coaches and GMs and scouts do when they're vetting players is they, you know, they, they come up with ways of trying to, oh, hey, show me this play, do this. And he screwed up one of the things and he took it so hard. And they were like, listen, it's because he's a perfectionist. And honestly, we, we like that about him. We like the fact that he, he took it seriously and he wanted to be better. They made a point about not, you know, not wanting to be up there at six again. So they said, "Listen, this guy has all the sh all the skills to be a top quarterback, right?" And we've seen guys who maybe have similar skill sets. Um, you know, what's his weaknesses, right? I think it's really footwork, right? He's taken most of his stuff out of the shotgun. Uh, he probably has some comparisons to Carson Wentz in that regard, as far as uh, 
uh, footwork issues, not taking it under center when he, ha you know, he's got, you know, even when he is taking it under center. Uh, and uh, again, they haven't really gotten to see that, but uh, that's something they're going to have to get more used to. In fact, Telesco made a point of it's not even the footwork, it's the eyes. It's, it's getting used to where your eyes have to be and get ready to be set. So they, he said it's going to be, a, you know, it's going to be an adaptation for him. But, you know, not for nothing in the NFL, we've seen guys who've taken a lot of snaps out of the shotgun, you know, go to taking snaps under center. We've also seen a lot of guys who, you know, play in the shotgun in the NFL. They do do that. You were allowed to play in the shotgun. So, uh, you know, they thought he was the top player in the country in the fall. And that's kind of when they started already making their decision for this. They like the intangibles and they like the makeup with the QB. Um, you know, it's hard to grade from the neck up, but they believe that he has what it takes from the neck up. And, uh, you know, Anthony Lynn says, like, he got, he got to learn a lot. He's going to get to learn a lot from Tyrod Taylor and Easton Stick and be in that quarterback room. I don't hate that. I don't hate that mindset that you, you, have, uh, you have a quarterback who you believe in who is going to be the uh, – the veteran starter who's going to be the mentor, and you're going to have guys in that room who are going to help prepare him. And he said these are the hardest working guys he knows. And the hardest thing that they're, he's going to have is really, again, the, uh, the footwork and eye adjustment when switching from under center to shotgun. If you can get that down, that's part of the battle right there. And then, again, there were a lot of people who had him all over their board. He was not everybody's favorite quarterback. He was, you know, I, I think people were all over the place with him. Uh, he has some accuracy issues, especially short area accuracy, which is kind of strange. But he's got a good deep ball. He's got good arm strength. Probably, you know, not for nothing. Uh, I, 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 he's shockingly kind of similar to Tyrod. He's like a if you souped up Tyrod Taylor, uh, what Tyrod does well is he's good with the deep ball and he's very athletic. So you don't want him getting all of the bad things of Tyrod Taylor. But if you can, you could build an offense around those two guys. You know some play action. Um, now, again, taking under center is something relatively new for Herbert, so play action for him. Uh, but that would at least cut the field reads for him. And then when he's not taking it under center, uh, again, you could do a little bit RPO. You could utilize, you know, some uh, even like play action at a shotgun. And I think there is a skill set there that you can build around. I think what we, we miss a lot of the times with a lot of these quarterbacks is we saw this with Lamar Jackson. We miss the fact that there's an offense to build around this guy. And is, it, is there a willingness to build around these uh, players? And that was something that, that Telesco and Lynn made a point of was, listen, you, you get the quarterback, you got to do what works for the quarterback. You can't just go ahead. You know, there's things we couldn't do with Phillip Rivers. You know, this year we might do a little bit more out of the pistol because we have Tyrod Taylor. It might work better for him. So there's been a little bit of mention of that. So that was Herbert, right? Herbert, the, the Oregon quarterback. He looks like a quarterback. He, he throws like a quarterback. So um, he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback for the L.A. Chargers. That was not the shocker of a pick, right? That was everybody kind of expected it. They kind of let their hand, they kind of let the cards out a little early on that by not re-signing Rivers, not getting another quarterback outside of Tyrod Taylor. Um, and actually, this so when you look at the financials of this, this is not a bad deal, right? Like think about it. Tyrod Taylor's on a one-year deal that's like under two million dollars. They got Herbert, who's going to be top ten quarterback, uh, first-round pick, but you get him under the rookie wage scale. That, that's kind of what it sounds like they're trying to do is, listen, we're going to utilize the fact that he's on the rookie wage scale, and then we're going to build around him, right? We got a defense. We got to re-sign some guys anyway. Let's use this moment to uh, be able to pay the other guys, like the, the Joey Boses and the Melvin Ingrams and the Keenan Allens. You don't have to pay all of them, but good portions of them. 
I think at least one of those three guys walks next year. I'm thinking Keenan Allen. Shocker, I know. I'll give you my reasons why at the end of the episode. So stay tuned. Um, But yeah, so I think one of those guys walks eventually. They did exercise the option, the, the fifth-year option on Mike Williams. Uh, dude is a beast. So let's move on, right? They had another first-round pick. They, were, they weren't scheduled for it, right? They, didn't ha- they weren't scheduled for another first-round pick. They just happened to go ahead and trade up. They traded their second-round pick and their third-round pick for uh, the Patriots' first-round pick. The Patriots trade down twice. This was the second time they traded with somebody, and apparently the Chargers said, listen, we don't need a third-rounder. Let's take our second and our third. We'll package him. We'll go back into the first round. We'll get this guy called Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma, right? Um, they made a very big point that he was a premium player. He graded very high for them. He fits the defense of what they want to do. He plays with a violent mentality. He, he was a three-year starter. He's a captain. He's got leadership qualities, well-coached. He's going to come in, and he's going to compete. And they made a lot of big deals about this. Now, I am not always a, I'm not really a big fan of trading up into you know the, the first round. I, I think there's value to it depending on what you are spending. I think your third-round pick is a lot, especially in this draft, where – you have a lot of guys coming up on contracts next year. Uh, you might want to start filling out your roster with other bits and pieces. So I felt like that. I felt it was a little risky to trade your third round pick to jump up into the first round. But if you think Kenneth Murray fills out your defense, like they've got a lot of pieces on that defense, right? You got a very, very. We're going to go over the depth chart, but this is a very good defense. Now again, you got two great defensive ends. You've got Derwin James. So maybe what they felt like was, listen, we can complete this defense. We've got Chris Harris. We've got, we've got uh, Casey Hayward. We've got Desmond King. We've got a lot of pieces here. We could finish out this defense relatively quickly. Let, let's grab this linebacker, and he can be that last bit. So I get it. It makes sense in, a, in, their, ma- in their mind, their team-building mentality. So how I would have done it, but that is how it was done. So we move on, right? Um and again, they liked him. They liked the alpha man personality, Gus Bradley and Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn had a man crush on him, apparently. He was like, listen, you can go ahead and take me out any day. I'll, I'll have him on my team. He's just like, he liked his personality. He liked his go ahead. They liked uh, his leadership skills. Listen, it makes sense. Now, this meant they did not have any picks on day two, right? No second or third round picks. They got to sit there waiting the whole Friday night being like, he's going to go. Is there going to be anybody left for us? Well, that's what happens when you trade your third and second round pick. Although, to be fair, the second round pick was just the second round pick. It was just a higher pick. So, uh, and they made a note of that. And uh, problem is, is now the fifth year option for for uh, for Kenneth Murray is not going to be that great. Again, they ch- the CBA changed the fifth year options. We're going to do an episode on that, by the way. It's going to be a crossover with my other podcast uh, called Punk Law One Hundred and One. Just started uh, the video portion of it. Uh, the it, I, we'll get into that. Anyway, so it's going to be a crossover episode. Uh, maybe I'll have another attorney on or something. So again, um, Kenneth Murray. I didn't hate the. I, I didn't hate the pick. Uh, I do hate. Th- I'm not a huge fan of the value. And again, if he, it's the, but it's the mentality of how you want to build your team. You say this is our last piece for our defense, right? We're going to need a strong, good defense. If we feel like this is that last bit we need, listen. Sometimes that just makes sense. I, I'm not the. I'm at the be-all, end-all for you. So let's move on to their fourth-round pick, Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. Um, I, lo- I watched this guy's film. I, I thought he was a league-average running back, right? Like a Bilal Powell, if you will. So um, uh, different style than the other guys who they have in the room, right? They made a point that they feel like he can be, uh, you know, 
more well-rounded. He's more well-rounded than Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. Those guys are more, you know, smaller guys. Um, made a point that, you know, they liked him at the Senior Bowl. Again, another West Coast guy comes from UCLA. Uh, he's good vision. He's patient. Uh, can hit the hole really well. Well-rounded QB. Anthony Lynn was hoping he would be there when they got to the fourth round. He's like, he's a downhill physical runner. That's what I want. Compare him up with Tyrod Taylor and Herbert. And I don't know why I'm making Anthony Lynn sound like a southern white guy when he's definitely not that. But he's an amazing coach. I do love him. Um, so now they go ahead. They, they draft Joe Reed out of Virginia, a very versatile guy for them, they said. Uh, play wide receiver, but they could use him at running back and kick returner. He's 220, 225 pounds, uh, runs well, has a good feel for kick returns. They want to get him in because he was like, you know, he's a versatile guy. And I get that. That actually makes sense. You know, you already have Austin Eckler. The, 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 it seems like the, the name of the game this year for offense was uh, versatility. Guys who could be both running back and receiver, catch out of the backfield become a mismatch weapon, if you will. So I felt like that was kind of uh, a, a very big theme in this year's draft where guys might have said, you know what, we've seen guys like this work in the NFL. Let's find our own version of it. So that was Joe Reed. Uh, they go after Aloe Gilman at a Notre Dame. Uh, they said, you know, he fits the defense. They might use, you know, they, they needed to fill out their safety room. They lost somebody else. They lost one safety. They're getting a new one in. A die's gone. Uh, they got K.J. Hill out of Ohio State. Uh, had a great career at Ohio State, great feel to getting open, excellent hands, good route runner. Uh, Ohio State's good at uh, pumping up their receivers. Like, uh, you know, he, he was kind of targeted as like a, you know, a lot of people thought he'd be like a slot receiver in the NFL. Um, they felt like he was a very good get at, in the seventh round. Uh, so I, I honestly thought that was – and the only uh, issues they had the whole night was actually the seventh-round pick when they drafted K.J. Hill. Apparently, Telesco's uh, system went down. So – but they still got to draft him, so they were happy with that. Uh, again, a lot of people thought he was going to go higher, higher on day three, not necessarily in a higher, like in one of the earlier days, but at least at higher in day three. So it was shocking that he was there in the seventh round. Um, like I said, they, they made a point of talking about the tweaks that they're going to have on offense this year, more pistol than they did in the past. Um, there was a question about the offensive line, a question I probably would have had as well, which is probably why I wouldn't have taken Kenneth Murray is there's just other pieces you can get there. What if you took a linebacker, even took like the next linebacker on your board and an offensive lineman, isn't that making your room better, right? So, uh, you know, they they mentioned, yeah, there wasn't one at any of the picks that they were at. Well, yeah, because you had basically, what was it, almost 100 picks between your first, your, your second pick and your third pick. So, yeah, that, that's what happens when you trade up and trade two day two picks for one day one pick. Uh, so what happens is that they don't they didn't draft an offensive lineman, uh, you know, and they said they have some people in house that they like. The offensive scheme might change, so that might help. And, and you know, sometimes the board just falls the way it falls. That makes sense. Uh, the w thing I didn't get was why they didn't even call about Trent Williams. Uh, that was a thing that they had said they didn't make a call on Trent, at least not on day three. So they might have called earlier. They might have been like they might have been poking and been like, hey, what's going on? What's going on? But they didn't do it recently. It might have been months ago. It might have been a year ago that they had called on Trent Williams. I would have made that call. That's the thing I, I would have done. You want to protect your quarterbacks. You know, getting Trent Williams in that room, getting all pro. I'm sure he wanted to go to L.A. He went to San Francisco. Not much worse of a spot. Um, and you get to fill out an offensive line with Brian Bulaga and, uh, and Pouncey. That's a lot of money invested in that offensive line. But still, I don't hate that idea. 
and then also Trey Turner as well. So you'd have a. I would actually be pretty impressed with that offensive line if they had done that. They didn't do it. That's you know if if Sands and Coconuts, right? That's all we know. Uh, like I said, it was the most unique draft they dealt with. The zooms and all the zoominess was I've been, was zoomy. If you've ever used Zoom, it's, it's very zoomy. So um, th- okay, so that's the draft, right? I thought it was an okay draft, right? I thought it was. It, when you look at the QB situation there, I, the things that I like that they did, uh, I like Kenneth Murray. I wasn't a fan of how they got to Kenneth Murray. I like uh, Herbert. Uh, given the fact that you are drafting in the top ten and you need a quarterback, uh, the other option is to draft a, you know an offensive lineman up that high or a defensive player, and that's a that's an obvious opportunity that you can do that. But uh, I, you know, it doesn't sound like there was any real opportunity to trade down. You know, they all kind of like talk to each other about trades and all that stuff, but there wasn't really a real opportunity to trade down, so they didn't really do that. Um, so let's talk about their offseason, right? And what does this mean for this team going forward, right? They hired Pep Hamilton as a QB coach, so maybe that'll help with the development of Herbert along with Tyrod Taylor. Um, not that Tyrod Taylor is going to be developing much more, but still, like, help coach up these QBs. Uh, they signed, I mentioned before, Brian Bulaga. They signed Chris Harris. They, uh, as far as the offensive line room, they signed Cr- uh, Storm Norton, uh, who was previously in the NFL, and then he played in the XFL and got pretty decent in the XFL compared to other XFL players. So they feel like they have a mix in there. They got a couple of guys on the, the roster who can maybe compete. We'll go over the, the depth chart in one second. And uh, they signed Nick Vigil, formerly of the Bengals, to a one-year contract. Sounds like a depth guy. Like, again, they must have been really worried about their linebacking position, which I find kind of weird because they they were playing a lot of dime at one point. Maybe this is maybe the, the the move here was to try to get away from just playing dime. And then they franchise tagged Hunter Henry, which is why again they're going to have to start making decisions and extending guys. And you know, there's going to be somebody leaving next year. I think it's going to be. I, I really do think uh, if it's not just Hunter Henry. Uh, it's going to maybe be Keenan Allen. I, I do believe he's coming up, too, as, as well as uh, Ingram and uh, Bosa. So let's talk about the depth chart, right? Uh, they got Tyrod Taylor. They got Herbert. They got Easton Stick. They got Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly. They got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, and uh, who's Andre Patton? All right, that one I had no clue, everybody. That one made – that was the curveball here. I th- That's right. They got, they got rid of Travis Benjamin. Uh, the speedster who is a form who's been uh, a very decent player so far for him, but it never really was a productive player. So they got rid of him. There's no more Philip Rivers, right? Um, their offensive line, as so I you know, I kind of went over their offensive line before: Brian Bulaga, Trey Turner, Mike Pouncey. Uh, they have Dan Feeney and Forrest Lamp probably competing for left guard. Uh, both of them were drafted in the same draft. Uh, Dan Feeney, I think, was a fourth rounder. Forrest Lamp was a, a second rounder. He had a torn ACL. Really hasn't come all the way back from everything. Um, tackle's been Sam Tevy, Trey Pipkins duking it out. So maybe somewhere in there, Storm Norton and Forrest Lamp and uh, a couple of other guys kind of duke it out to, okay, they figure out the left tackle spot. You know, all right, maybe that works out. That's where I really feel worried with this roster is the offensive line. It's a little bit better. It's definitely better than it was before. Uh, I don't know because they, uh, they lost Okung. Uh, Trey Turner's not an upgrade, that's for sure. But anyway, um, he's not an upgrade because he's not a left tackle, he's a right guard. So that's just the value of things. Uh, let's look at defense, right? So offensively, it's kind of a weird room. 
Uh, again, a couple of good running backs that can kind of ca uh, pass catch pretty well. They got Hunter Henry. They got Keenan Allen. They got Mike Williams. They don't have a true speed threat. They got, you know, I think K.J. Hill might make it on the roster. Joe Reed potentially can be on the roster. But it feels like they're missing something in that receiving core, which I'm a little shocked they didn't go after. Again, another piece that they probably could have gotten if they didn't trade away their third-round pick. Um, defense, they got Joey Bosa, Justin Jones, Linval Joseph, who they signed in free agency, forgot to mention him. Uh, Melvin Ingram. So that D-line is actually pretty stacked, right? It sounds like they're the reason why they went for Kenneth Murray is they feel like that D-line is going to be good. Um, even when you look at the you know the, the other guys that are there, Chenna Nwosu was a good uh, pass rushing, like mixed kind of guy. Uh, Jerry Tillery was a three tech that they drafted. La uh, was it two years ago? Really hasn't. Uh, was it no? It was last year. Last year they drafted uh, Tillery. Yeah, Tillery. So he didn't really pop this year. Maybe he pops ne uh, uh, this year. Didn't pop last year. But again, it's three technique out of Notre Dame. Uh, I was relatively high on him last year. Felt like that he went in the right spot. You know, maybe you can get some push on the inside. Learn from Linval Joseph. You get a nice rotation of D lineman there. I feel like that's a good move. The, the D line is interesting. I like the D line here. Linebackers, I got Kenneth Murray now, uh, Denzel Perriman, who's played okay for him, Drew Tranquil, who they drafted last year, who's played pretty decent. Um, so they got a lot, a lot of interesting players in that linebacking core, Kaiser White, Nick Vigil, uh, Malik Jefferson, a lot of linebackers that they're trying to cycle through to figure out who's the best mixture of linebackers to have on that field when they go into the season in 2020. Defensive backs, right? Very good names, right? Chris Harris, Derwin James, Nazir Adderley, who they drafted last year, Casey Hayward, Desmond King. Um, Desmond King, there's been rumors he's going to switch out to free safety. But again, they have Nazir Adderley as well. You know, maybe he develops at free safety. They get, you know, there's talks about, you know, Chris Harris being the slot corner, but maybe they kick him out to, to outside. Kind of depends on what you're doing. And I don't think they're going to be uh, relying only on one particular formation they've got a very very advanced level uh amount of corners there right and zero Adderley is a good you know a small school guys you know maybe he's developing in the second year uh Desmond King again like I said before there's been a little bit of rumor he's going to switch to free safety because again they signed Chris Harris the the question really is that one other cornerback spot which they might fill up in free agency somewhere along the line or in trade or somebody who's a UDFA so that I, honestly, their defense looks really good. I honestly like again the linebacking core is like six deep. The guys who probably would start at least at, at some point on some other teams. I mean, like again, they're not great. Not all of them would be like top end starters, but they're all pretty decent, uh, solid players. I think other teams would be interested in them at least. Um, the safety room's very decent. Uh, you know, they did lose uh, a die, but again, like they, they've, I, I think they've got a lot of other pieces here, and between Chris Harris and Hayward, I think, dude, they, they're they're going to be a tough defense to play next year. So I, I all you got to do is just kind of play keep away with teams, right? So just be good on defense and then keep the ball going, keep the ball moving. Don't throw any, don't make any turnovers, keep it going, right? So overall, it's been a great off. It's been a very interesting off season, right? If if you uh, if you don't subscribe to one singular mentality, right, that you love a particular player, you love a particular. Uh, particular plan or strategy there is an argument here that this was a good offseason for them their defense definitely got better right they filled out the pieces that they felt like they needed I didn't feel like Kenneth Murray was all that great of a coverage backer but if that's not what they're looking for then uh, who am I to tell 
Uh, again, the the offense, and maybe he is. Like again, we 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 can see some development here. It's a linebacker is a very hard position to project on the outside when you're not get. It's one of those mental positions. It's like quarterback. It's one of those things. It's like how is this guy going to develop in our system, and how does he make our defense better? Linebackers are oftentimes the quarterback of the defense. So again, it's the mental part that we're not all hearing. How are they a leader? How are they running the defense? So, nonetheless thought they had a decent draft i wasn't amazed with it again like but i didn't know what else you could do with it right i thought like, i kind of get their reasoning with it as far as the the first pick i i get the herbert pick i, I you get if you don't love him but if you're in the top six you don't want to be drafting there every year and you basically just have tyrod taylor now i think maybe your other option was to go cam newton get him on a cheap deal if you could uh andy dalton there was other options on the table at that time uh, available to you in free agency. But honestly, the value of a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal, there is some value there. Uh, for the next four years, you have him cheap. And you even have Tyrod cheap next year, uh, into this year. So, again, uh, I think there's a strategy here. They're doing the uh, basically what the L.A. Rams did. Build up around your, your guy when you have him on the rookie deal. And then see if he's the real player or not. See if he's the real deal. It's the same thing that the Bears did too. Bears, you know, tried to make a run at it with Trubisky, didn't work out. Now you got to hope that Herbert's better than Trubisky, or you have a coaching staff that could develop Herbert or give Herbert a system that makes him better than Trubisky. That's all we got to hope for, right? That's the Chargers, everybody. Uh, that, uh, so now, all right. So we talked about the LA Chargers, right? Let's move a little bit to the the Florida, right? Not the Keys, not the Kokomo, not. Not Jamaica, Bahamas, come on. No, it is it is the Jacksonville. The Jacksonville Jaguars, everybody. And boy, oh boy, did they have an interesting draft. And part of the reason they had an interesting draft, I say interesting cause I, uh, because it depends on how you feel about some of these players. Um, they, they had two first-round picks, right? Part of that because of the Jalen Ramsey trade. So Jalen Ramsey got two first-round picks. They got a fourth-round pick for A.J. Boye. They seemed like they were in teardown mode. They do not seem like they're going to try to win this year. They seem like they're in tank mode, rebuild, and reshoot. And it seems like they're trying to go for a quarterback next year, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or somebody who pops out of nowhere like Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, and Baker Mayfield. Maybe. So, with that being said, they drafted C.J. Henderson, number nine overall. And this is I want to point out something with this. I feel like the, the Jaguars are sometimes the weirdest team to peg. Cause some years it feels like they they just don't let anybody in and you just don't know who they're they're taking. And then some years it feels like everybody knows. Like Leonard Fournette, everybody knew they were going for Leonard Fournette. C.J. Henderson went to them at nine. Everybody knew C.J. Henderson. That was the big rumor this year, right? C.J. Henderson at nine. And some of these rumor mills don't always go very well, do they? But this year, oh, wait a second. C.J. Henderson, where'd he go? Nine. Oh, really? Ah, Fuck. Anyway, so yeah, C.J. Henderson goes to him at nine. Man corner, good co uh, good guy, good coverage guy uh, out of Florida. Uh, it was an interesting pick. I uh, Actually, what I really found was surprising is they did get a lot of calls, maybe no firm offers, but they did get a lot of calls for the ninth overall pick. Uh, this was actually in the pre-draft interview that uh, that Dave Caldwell had mentioned this. He said, listen, yeah, there's the most amount of calls. Maybe we're just in that right spot. There's been other years where we tried trading down. We just never been able to trade down. This year we're at nine. We get a bunch of calls. It's the most calls we ever got. So uh, maybe nine is just the sweet spot this year. And it was, I think he was right, but they didn't trade down anyway. They kept where they were, and they drafted C.J. Henderson. 
Then they went back to, uh, they, and then they had the twentieth overall pick in the first round. They got Calevon Chason, right? And uh, I think Doug Marone put it, "Hey, I'm going to sleep better knowing I have another pass rusher at night, right?" It's like, well, yeah, because you're trying to get rid of Yannick and Gakwe for something, uh, who does not want to be, like, who wants does not want to be on the Jaguars. Definitely wants to be traded, and they want to trade him, but they can't get anything for him because other teams are like, well. We saw what happened in the Jadavian Clowney situation last year. So why would we pay you a first-round pick if he's not going to show up? So, yeah. So uh, they drafted Caleb on Jason, hopefully to, I guess, be the replacement to, to Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, makes sense. Both these guys are weird, though, because they're both guys who I don't think were being talked about pre, like, college football playoffs, right? They were guys who came on because, you know, A, you have early declarations, so a lot of the juniors you don't really hear about. But also, even going into the like, the, the end of the season, I don't think a lot of people uh, at the end of the college football season were clearly saying Caleb on is going to be a first-round pick until they got to the college football playoffs, which is kind of intriguing. Um, Henderson, too. I don't remember a lot of people talking about Henderson all that much going into this offseason until about the last month or two. Uh, because he ran well at the combine, he, so he, he passed all the the basic levels for that. And again, people were like, "Listen, he's probably the best man coverage guy. If not, uh, he's not the best. He's definitely like that's definitely his skill set is to be good in man coverage and press man coverage. He could do that really well. So if you're running a scheme that that values that kind of a player, that's the guy you want because you want the best guy at pulling that off. So I get that. That makes sense um, as to why he had a sudden rise at the end. I do think other teams had higher, had cornerback, different cornerbacks higher than him. Uh, some people had him as the number one cornerback, so I'm I'm actually relatively shocked. He is a little bit, you know, a, a little bit of an enigma for some people because again, like he came out of nowhere, not nowhere, like people knew of him. But as far as like at one point, some people were talking about him as the the best corner in the draft, uh, like towards the the end of the draft cycle, which I thought was a little surprising, um, because I thought Okuda had it like straight up and down, so. They uh, they then also have a high second-round pick, right? They take a receiver after my heart, right? LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado. Uh, dropped because of injury. And also, I think there's some risk with him. There's some risk-reward with this guy. Good run off the catch guy. Honestly, he's somebody that that receiving core kind of doesn't have. I mean, I guess D.D. Westbrook's similar, but a different style. And they could utilize him at running back at Wildcat. They could have him do a lot of jet sweep motion. He's a good run after the catch guy. He's brutal. He's physical. Again, the injury is what really worries people. And again, like, you know, he's playing for Colorado, but I don't know, man. I think this, we've seen a couple of good Colorado receivers come out the last few years. So I'm actually not as worried with him. I like him in the second round. I think that's a good spot for him. Uh, I think that's actually somebody who fits what Gardner Minshew does. And keep in mind, they trade away Nick Foles. They got a fourth round pick for him. So you need a guy who fits what Minshew does. So now you have. DJ Tark do do going ahead and taking top off the the defense. Hopefully DD Westbrook wakes back up to what he used to be. But if not, because again he had a couple of drops, he had some issues. You now have Laviska Chanel, who's again a good run after catch guy. So uh, I, I like I, I like what they did. I like the first three picks. I think they were relatively impressive. Um, Devon Hamilton and another D line depth. They went after Ben Barch, who Senior Bowl uh, star, right? Uh, and they even mentioned the senior bowl. They said, you know, he helped show he's competitive, he's tough. He held his own against guys who went in the first round, like, uh, you know, at the senior bowl. Uh, he said he reminded them of Ali Marpet. They didn't mention Ali Marpet by name because you're really not supposed to mention other team players by name. But they mentioned Ali Marpet. Like, they kind of, oh, the guy who went to Tampa. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. So, yeah, the, another guy who was a small school guy who, you know, did well at the Senior Bowl, got drafted, like, mid-rounds, competed, won a spot. So, again, they feel very good with what he can do. Uh, he kind of came on a little bit later, like, as far as, like, in the draft process because he's a Senior Bowl guy. I like this tape. He's a fun guy to watch. Kind of hard to interpret. But, again, when you got to see him against high-end competition at the Senior Bowl, you go, you know what? And, again, those one-on-ones are tough for O-linemen. So if he's doing well against those one-on-ones, it's really selling them. You're an O-lineman who does well in those one-on-ones. They, they go, okay, you know what? This guy could, this guy could play. That's, where you're, that's why you get some of those guys who do really well. Uh, Caldwell, he said, like, is – uh, he said, it, you know, he, you check those things. You check the senior bowl. You check the bowl games to see if it's too big for him. And he said he, it did not look too big for him. Uh, he said he also, you know, he mentioned also Jari Evans with the Saints because he had been with the Saints when Jari Evans was drafted. So um, Doug Marone likes him. Doug Marone is a, uh, is a big uh, O-line guy. He used to be an O-line coach. In fact, I think he was the O-line coach in Jacksonville when he got the promotion. So... Uh, let's go to the next pick, right? Uh, I felt like that was good. I, listen, I like Ben Barch, so I like that pick. Uh, and I, I I probably would have taken him where they took him. They took Josiah Scott as well. They said he could take inside reps, outside reps. He's not big, but he plays tough. He plays big. Um, they weren't familiar with him early on. Again, we're talking about like a lot of players that kind of got a late rise, and um, they fell in love with his tape. Uh, he came out early. He plays bigger than he is. Uh, the guy shows physicality, play outside, and toughness to play special teams. So they like the versatility, the inside-outness of him, the the special teams value, guy who can contribute right away in different roles. And, again, that's what you're looking for on day three. A lot of teams are looking for special teams guys on day three because that's how you're going to make the roster as a backup. It's how you're going to be able to make it to games. So they like that. Um, they went for Shaq Quarterman. This was, uh, you know, uh, a guy out of Miami, they're like, dude, he was defensive player of the year there. He was, uh, he's tough. Caldwell liked him. The mentality, uh, coming ready to play. Uh, Doug Marone loved him. This was, uh, these were guys that were after Doug Marone's heart, if you will. Doug Marone got a real heart on for a couple of these players. I was kind of a little shocked. Um, they drafted Daniel Thomas out of Auburn, and then Colin Johnson out of Texas. Right, uh, he had a great year in 2018. He was hampered by injury in 2019. Uh, they mentioned that he had a different skill set than the rest of their wide receivers. He's 6'6", 222 pounds. Uh, he just brings a different element across the, the formation, and they want to see him come and perform and try and win a job, and they're excited they got him as late as they did. So uh, then they took Jake Lutton, who's a little bit of a um, – a little bit of like a, a shocking no-name, but I guess they were kind of looking like, hey, you know what? We've got a guy who can compete in camp. We kind of did the same thing with Minshew. We've got a guy who's on a different spectrum, strong-arm guy, and see if he competes and tries to win a, a you know a position on the team. We don't know. And then you never know at the end of the day, right? Uh, they took Tyler Davis, uh, tight end. Uh, he's a Long Island kid, and he kind of had a little bit of heart-to-heart with Doug Marone. He's like, yo, you know, I'm a New York kid. You know, We New York guys are tough, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, kid, kids from New York are some mean sons of guns. And Doug Marone was like, yeah, I guess. Like, I, you know, he's like, listen, he's got a good good, good, good skill set, transferred to uh, Georgia Tech. Online co- coach there liked him. Corey uh, Etzel liked him out of Connecticut. So he's like, listen, I liked all the, all the coaches I talked to, loved this guy. We're getting him in the sixth round. Maybe he becomes a real tight end for us. And, uh, you know, again, they also took uh, Chris Clay, uh, Clay Brooks out of Memphis uh, corner. So they uh, – they had a very, uh, very big draft. They took a lot of players. Um, they went into it with 12, uh, I think, 12 picks. So uh, the one thing I thought was shocking, right, was uh, Bo- <laughs> beat Bobby Flay is a big, big, uh, big 
favorite for Doug called uh, Dave Caldwell, right? That's that's what he goes home and watches when he needs to decompress. I'm like, who's Bobby Flay? Are you kidding me, man? Uh, I used to work for that guy. Not him personally. He has the Burger Palace thing. Uh, I look like a guy who works at a Burger Palace, right? So there you go. Um, at least at one point in my life. I don't work there anymore. Come on. Um, doof, doof, doof. <laughs> um, so Dave Caldwell, Doug, they, honestly, they kind of look, I remember watching this press conferences and they kind of looked like guys who were like, they were held hostage during this. And as they like, as they were like doing these interviews and like know that their, their careers are being held hostage, they kind of like lightened up the whole time. Like, like initially they felt like they had like the rod stuck up their butt. And then they kind of like, all right, all right, you know, we can we can relax it a little bit. It's gonna get pulled out eventually, right? So, um, they didn't draft a running back, and it was funny because they even hinted that they don't care much for Leonard Fournette, but they made a point of saying like, listen, outside of Leonard Fournette, like you guys don't realize like how we feel about the other running backs in the league, like Rock Thomas, like Devin. So again, they uh they mentioned like COVID had one real effect on this draft for them, and it lowered guys who weren't at the combine because they couldn't get the medicals. Like, if there's a guy who they like that uh, that that wasn't at the combine, they would usually bring him in, get him to get the medicals, and figure it out from there. So they didn't get to really do that, so a lot of those guys ended up dropping on their board to, like, sixth, seventh-round players. It makes sense, right? Um, let's talk about their free agency real quick, right? After the draft, they went ahead and uh, signed uh, Aaron Lynch, formerly of the Bears, to a one-year contract at the end. So just another guy to get in your rotation, another defensive player. Uh, they declined Leonard Fournette's fifth-year option. They uh, signed Chris Thompson, formerly of the Redskins. Again, remember, Jay Gruden's there as the offensive coordinator. I didn't really mention that. But again, they're, they're getting some other pieces into that, that room as far as like players and developmental guys and, and a quarterback who, you know, an offensive coordinator who's a good developer of talent, right? Uh, at least that's so we thought. That's why we thought Andy Dalton was going to go there instead of the Cowboys. Um, at least some people did. So uh, they signed, they re-signed Keelan Cole. They were about to sign Darquise Denard initially in free agency, and then they kind of backed off on it. They were like, Darquise, we didn't need you after all. We got, we forgot we had a slot corner. We don't need two. Why would we get all slotty on everybody? We're just gonna throw all the slotty guys out there, those super slots, those slotty slot slot corners. So yeah, they had, they were a little bit, they were close to having too many slot corners on their team, and they went, wait a second, we might need an outside guy instead. So I can see them going for somebody in free agency that, uh, uh, but it depends on really what they're looking at. Like if they're really for press man coverage, the guy who I think I would recommend for them going after in free agency is a guy like Eli Apple, who maybe is looking to like get onto his next team. Uh, you know, I, they don't probably don't have the familiarity with him anymore because again, he was on the same team as Coughlin. Uh, in, in New York, but Coughlin's not there anymore. But again, I think Eli Apple would actually find a, a very nice warm spot there, uh, if you will, in Jacksonville, which is a nice warm spot to begin with. So I think that's a, that's a good uh, match. I like pairing up some of these free agents that are still out there, right? Like a matchmaker of you. They did also sign, by the way, Tyler Eifert, formerly of the, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cincinnati guys, if you would say so. Um, they trade away a bunch of players. I already mentioned it before. Foles, Boye, Ramsey. And, uh, again, they Ngakwe's been on the trading block since, uh, I don't know, since this offseason began, right? So what do we think about this team, right? I, I think it's clear that there's not a, um, at least to the outside world, it does not look like they are trying to be the most competitive team. It seems like they are in rebuild mode, that they are trying to develop players for the future. And if Gardner Minshew's their guy, great, they could build around him. And if not... 
then next year they're going to turn around and go, listen, bye-bye, Gardner. We're drafting somebody. We'll, we'll sell the farm to go ahead and get one of the top quarterbacks. And then once they have one of those two top, uh, one of those top quarterbacks, maybe Lawrence or Fields or the guy out of Purdue or a guy out of who knows where, or, you know, maybe they go for an old CFL dude or maybe a free agent guy kind of pops up out of nowhere. Who knows? So, again, so maybe they do that next year. So this year seems to be a wait-and-learn experience, which is kind of weird because, again, like I was saying before, Caldwell and Marone seem to kind of be a little curious about their future. They seem to feel like they're in a little bit of a limbo. Like you could see it on their face, and they kind of they like they'll adjust, and they kind of get a little bit more jovial about it. But it like it just kind of sells to you, like oh wait, what does what's going on here, man? This guy does not seem like he's all that into. Um, they they look like they're being tortured. So let's just go over their their roster real quick, right? They signed Gary and Conley, not Gary, Chris Conley last year, wide receiver who was formerly on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they got D.D. Westbrook, who they drafted a couple years ago. Keelan Cole, who they, I mentioned they re-signed. D.J. Chark, LaVisca Chenault. Um, they actually have an interesting receiving core for Gardner Minshew to take advantage of. Uh, not in the bad way, everybody. Just in the uh, be able to throw the ball. Hopefully somebody catches it. Maybe they get a touchdown. That's what I'm rooting for here. Uh, Minshew, I like. I like what I saw last year. I'm kind of intrigued by him, as a lot of people are. Minshew mania, if you will. Uh, the O-line was always a question, right? Going into this offseason, people were talking about the offensive line. I was not shocked that they didn't draft an O-lineman early uh, because Cam Robinson was coming off an ACL tear. Uh, they seemed to like Juwan Taylor. They did sign uh, oh, was it Andrew Norwell to a deal a couple of years ago, and I don't think they're ready to give up entirely. I think they have too much money tied up in him right now. In fact, I think they just restructured his deal, so they're going to be tied up with him a little bit more. Brandon Lindler took a, a step back, which is kind of weird, like, because he used to be good, so maybe he's just not feeling the chemistry. Maybe it's kind of uh, – uh, maybe they just got to wait another year and see if, he, you know, the two – him and Norwell and A.J. Can, who's really, I think, kind of the real that, – that right guard spot's the part that I think is a little bit curious, right? Like, Juwan Taylor showed something there, right? Um, Cam Robinson looked good initially. But again, the torn ACL coming back from the ACL, but had a little bit of a decent run at the end of the year. So there's a lot of players on this offensive line who just haven't panned out. And is it we just had a bad year? Is it the scheme? Is it the system? So maybe Jay Gruden coming in will have a better idea of, hey, listen, let's let's do a little bit more passing concepts like this. And it kind of maybe helps out our our uh, our offensive line. And again, you just don't know. Like maybe some of these guys develop. Again, Jawan Taylor and Cam Robinson kind of can take a step forward. Uh, you know, Robinson a bounce back. Maybe Lindler, Linder will go ahead and uh, maybe gel more with the offensive line again. Again, maybe uh, maybe it was that Norwell signing. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't get along with Norwell. Maybe they don't like each other. Maybe the, maybe Norwell owes him some money. I don't want to start that rumor, everybody. I, I'm not saying Norwell owes him money. I'm not saying he owes Norwell money. I'm saying offensive lines about congealing. It's like a jello. And uh, maybe they haven't congealed yet. Sometimes it takes some time to get used to everybody on the roster around you. And uh, maybe it's also scheme. Like maybe just one guy fits more of a, a gap power scheme, and maybe they're running a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's, may, I don't know. I, it doesn't make sense because Linder was good for a few years. Like Linder was a good center for quite a bit of time. They gave him a contract, and then he seems to do what some guys do when they get a contract, which is not play it well. But, uh, you know, Andrew Norwell as well has not played very well up to the contract. So what is this? So the all uh, you know the offense is intriguing to me. I don't think it's a horrible offense. What I'm worried about with them is all right. What can they get out of it? 
And then the defense is what, what kind of is the more curious part because they got rid of a lot of pieces, right? They got rid of Calais Campbell. They got rid of A.J. Boye. I forgot to mention Calais Campbell got traded for a fifth-round pick to the Ravens. Another piece that kind of just comes in and out of that room, right? Um, so right now they have Yannick Ngakwe, Josh Allen. Al Woods is listed on their roster as far as one of their starting D tackles and Taven Bryan. Taven Bryan, who they drafted last year, uh, two years ago. Uh, Josh Allen, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, who's probably not going to be on the roster start of the year. Aaron R- Aaron Lynch, uh, Caleb on Chason. My real worry here is they're not going to really be able to stop the run. There's not really a true run stuffer on this defense who I really believe in. Um, their linebacking core is kind of decent. Joe Schobert, big fan, linebacker out of uh, Cleveland, uh, former Wisconsin guy. Uh, good brain, good smart leader of the defense. So I like him. It was a good pickup for you guys. I don't know if you guys are at the spot where you need to pay $10 million for a linebacker, but it is what it is. So they got Joe Schobert. They got Miles Jack. Um, those two guys together, if you're playing mostly nickel anyway, those are the kind of two guys you want. You don't want more. Uh, you know, I, I think they could probably play pretty decent. Schobert's been pretty healthy, actually, for most of his time uh, in Cleveland as well. Um, he I, he might have missed a game or two. And when they didn't, when he wasn't on the field, that was actually usually the headache. Uh, that being said, you know, then you look at the the back end. Uh, Ronnie Harrison's been pretty decent, strong safety. Um, Jared Wilson, C.J. Henderson, Trey Herndon. Trey Herndon, you know, you're, you're expecting something out of him. D.J. Hayden's been pretty good for them at slot corner. This is why there was a real big question mark of, as far as why are you going for Darquise Denard. doesn't really fit that role. You know, you already have a guy with that role in there. And then they also signed Rashawn Melvin, who used to be on the, the Lions. Like the quintessential cornerback that we, you know, the former Raider and Lion. And he's like, he's the, he is the journeyman, the quintessential guy who you need to sign on your team so your back end is just not totally, like, empty. Right, he's okay. He's he's like he's replacement level. That is Rashawn Melvin. He's literally replacement level starter as a corner. Decent, not great, but not horrible. Good. All right. What do I think about this team? I think I'm thinking what everybody's thinking. I don't know if Doug Marone and Caldwell are there next year, but if they are, okay. Uh, what about the rest of this roster? Because it doesn't look like a lot of these guys are going to take time to gel. Like I don't think Henderson's going to have an immediate impact his first year. The interior of that D line has some question marks. The, the linebacking core is pretty decent. The corners, like, again, you are hoping that they all play some level of decent. But, again, Her- Henderson's, like, a big part of that. And the safeties are actually kind of questionable, too. So, Josh Jones, you're hoping he takes a step forward as far as being a, a safety. Uh, and everybody else is kind of mix and match players. So, Jacksonville, I think, is really on the, the path to trying to get a quarterback next year, and it sounds like it. It's like, let's get young, let's get athletic guys, let's get intriguing prospects. We'll fit them all in the room. We'll try to get the most out of them, and hopefully by next year. It sounds like them and the Panthers are on the rush to go get the uh, one of the top picks. Like We'll get the, the best defensive guys we can. Hopefully our offense plays well, and then we'll do what we can. So that was the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, both very intriguing drafts, both very fun drafts. If you want, you can follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at B-R-O-J-O, death, D-E-A-T-H, and punch, P-U-N-C-H. And uh, you can follow, oh, like, follow, subscribe, all those things, subscribe, videos, playlists. There's a playlist probably with the rest of the, the teams we've done. And it'll, as it gets updated, more teams will be on it. So keep checking in. 
Uh, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna do it five days a week. I'm not gonna do the weekends because it doesn't seem like anybody gives a hell if I do it on the weekends. And take care, TTFN. Ta-ta for now. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about to pass. I'm about to